You can be seated. And if you would turn to the book of Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 12. Well, we've been talking about faith for weeks now here at Faith Life Church, which would be appropriate, wouldn't it? Wouldn't it be sad to have Faith Life Church and no faith? Man, that just wouldn't be right, would it? <laughs> no, no. Faith Life Church should be a faith church full of faith. Living a faith life. Walking a faith walk. Well, it doesn't happen automatically. It don't happen just because you put it on the front of the building. Right? How does faith come? Comes by hearing and hearing. And how many know next year we'll need to hear something about faith? And the year after that. Actually, when we first started, the Lord gave me three major directives. And I wrote them down and dated it that I was to teach the people how to love each other. Right? And I am to teach the people how to live and walk by faith. And I am to teach the people how to be led by the Spirit. Well, we've been over it, but how many understand we're not through with it? Right? We need to hear it again and again. Now, if you have not heard, I mean, uh, what was it, a year or two ago? Man, we spent months on being led by the Spirit. The Spirit led life, one and two, a long time on it. If you weren't here, you need to get that. How many would agree they ought to get a hold of that? Not just because I taught it, because it's the Word. Right? Get a hold of it. Feed on it. Because, man, if you don't know how to be led by the Spirit, you are at a terrible disadvantage in this life. If you're still making all your decisions off of what's in your head, it ain't enough. How many will agree? What's in your head is not enough for you to make all your decisions and come out right. And that's why some people, they hit it sometime. A lot of times they don't. They miss it and they're, you know. Well, you can be right again and again when you're led by the Spirit because He's always right. Yeah. Yeah. Hebrews 12, let's go into talking more about faith. And I believe we're nearing the uh, the end of this part of our study here on the faith of Jesus. So believe with me for utterance today. Yes. Hebrews 12 and 1. Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. Now, let's just stop right there. Why is the wherefore there? Because it hooks up to chapter 11, right? And chapter 11 is talking about what? Faith, 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 right? The whole chapter is the great faith chapter. This one did this by faith, and this one did that by faith, by faith, by faith, by faith. Then he said, now all these folk that he's got through talking about, they're no longer here on the earth. Right? But do they still exist? Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know, Jesus, the Sadducees, uh, did not believe in resurrection. Life after death. And they tried to question Jesus one time. You know, they thought they were so clever. And they told the story about the man and woman that was married and had no kids. And the brother married and they had no kids. And seven brothers. And so they said she was married to all seven of them. So in the resurrection. See, they didn't believe in the resurrection. In the resurrection, whose wife will she be? See, they thought they are so clever. <laughs> he said, you do greatly err. Because you don't know God and you don't know the scriptures. You don't know the power of God. 
And he went on to say that God referred to himself at the bush, burning bush, talking to Moses. He said, I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Well, they had been dead off the earth for a long, long time, but God didn't say, I used to be. Right? No, he said, I am. Why? Because they still are. And he is. Right? And Jesus said, he's not God just of the dead, but of the living. Right? And so thanks be unto God, all these people that he mentioned, Enoch and and uh, Abel and Abraham and Sarah and Isaac and Joseph and all those guys, we'll get to meet them one day. Won't we? Won't that be? How'd you like to sit down by the Crystal River and have a long talk with Joseph? Huh? And a long talk with Abraham. Well, the, you know, we're going to have plenty of time to do it. And he said, we are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. Faith people who ran a faith race. And since they're all watching us, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us. Let us get rid of anything that would hinder our race. And let us do what? Run with patience the race that is set before us. Persistence and endurance. The race that is set before us. Well, what kind of race is it? What's he been talking about for the last chapter and verse? Faith. It's a faith race. Not just a faith sprint, but a faith marathon. Right? This faith race lasts for decades. As long as our life lasts. Down here, right? It's a faith race. Somebody say faith race. Now, it's not even a period there. He says, run with patience the race that is set before us, comma, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. And we could say of our faith race. Who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Thank you, Lord. Now, we've been talking about the faith of Jesus. And we talked about how that faith is a requirement. It's not optional. The Lord requires it of us. How that faith is a decision. There's no such thing as somebody who can't believe. You decide whether you're going to believe or not. We talked about the importance of the integrity of one's word and faith and how God cannot lie. And he deserves all of our trust. And we talked about how faith comes. We talked about enemies of faith. How that becoming offended will rob you of your faith. Being double-minded and wavering will cause you to lose your faith. Getting in fear will cause you to lose your faith. And we talked about patience. Wasn't it last Sunday? We talked about staying after and patience. And that's how if you endure to the end, you'll receive But let's look at this. This goes along with that. He said Jesus is the author and what? The finisher. Now we've talked about the author. We've talked about how faith comes. We've talked about some in between. Let's talk about this last part. He is the what? Finisher Finisher of our faith. Everybody say finish. 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 
How many understand that how you finish is just as important and even more important than how you start? Because, I mean, you can mess up in the beginning, but if you finish good, right? You can mess up in the middle, but if you finish good, that can be forgotten, right? How you finish is one of the most important things in any endeavor, and particularly this one, running your faith race. How many understand it's no good, we've already talked about this, to believe God like a house of fire for two weeks and then quit before it comes to pass? That's no good. And it's not good enough to run your faith race and live for the Lord for 13 years and 15 years and then get offended and messed up and backslide. Huh? No, no. We got to finish this thing. Right? And we got to finish it like we started it. In faith. Somebody said out loud, finish in faith. Finish strong in faith. Now look at First Peter. Just turn over a few pages to First Peter. He is the author and he is the finisher. He is the completer of our faith. How many remember the scriptures that says, you know, that we can have confidence that he who began a good work in us. What will he do? He'll finish it. He'll complete it. Till the day of Jesus Christ. First Peter and the first chapter. Verse 3. Let me read a few verses to you. First Peter 1 Peter 1.3 Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again to a lively or a living hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. To an inheritance incorruptible, undefiled, that fades not away, reserved in heaven for you. Who are kept by the power of God, how? Through faith unto salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. Now he's talking about our future. Do we have a bright future? How are we going to end up with this whole thing? Do we have something to look forward to? Oh, we do. And he said, we're kept unto this by the power of God, but it's through our faith that the power of God has the legal right to keep on keeping us. Wherein you greatly rejoice, though now for a season, if need be, you're in heaviness through manifold temptations. Can you rejoice even in tough times? Well, it'd take faith to do that, wouldn't it? Because you wouldn't be walking by what you saw or what you felt. Or you'd be crying. Hmm? <laughs> the faith walk means, the faith walk doesn't mean you never have any challenges or problems. It just means you don't have to walk like you feel. You don't have to yield to how things look. Right? You can shout when you feel like crying. You can give glory to God when you feel like giving up. You don't have to give up. You can say, nah, nah, I know what I see. I know what I feel. But greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. And I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. You can say that when you feel like 40 miles a muddy road. When you feel lower than a snake's belly in a wagon rut. That's low. Even though you feel bad, you don't have to act like you feel. Oh, friend, this is such an important thing to learn. 
Can you shout when you feel like crying? Yeah. Yeah. Can you get up and say, we're going over big when you feel like you're going under? Can you do that? Yeah, you can. That's what faith is all about. And he said, you're rejoicing. You greatly rejoice, though even now for a season, there's heaviness because of the manifold temptation. See, that sounds contradictory, doesn't it? Well, which one are they going through? Heaviness or great rejoicing? Both. (laughs) They feel the heaviness, but by faith, they're greatly rejoicing. Why? Because they see beyond the here and now and the feelings. Well, now, see, this is our text. Jesus endured the cross, didn't he? Despising the shame, how could he do it? For the joy that was set out before. How could he go through it? How could he go through it? Because he could see beyond those soldiers. He could see beyond the faces of the mockers in the crowd. He could see beyond the pain. He could see beyond death. He could see resurrection. And he could see you and me free. Hallelujah. He could see heaven. He could see the kingdom of God and eternity with us. And seeing all that, he despised the shame and the cross. He said, what is this? I can do this by the grace of God. You know you have to despise your problem. I said you have to despise your problem. Not respect it. Despise it. Despise the sickness. Despise the debt. Despise the problem. What do you mean? Make light of it. Treat it like it's little. Like it's inconsequential. Despise it. I understand if you came in the room and people looked up and they went, ah, oh, it's just you. And then acted like you weren't even there. What are they doing? They're despising you. That's what you need to do with your problems. That's what I got to do with my problems. Everybody, you despise it. You look at it and go, oh, it's just cancer. <laughs> well, the Keith, the devil's been talking to me. You're showing him too much respect. You're showing him reverence. You're going, oh, it's the devil. <laughs> I don't care if he appears in your room with flame and fire. You wakes you up. You just look at him and go, oh, it's just you. <laughs> Roll over and go back to sleep. Are you with me now? Despise him. Despise the works of the enemy despise. This is what the Lord told us, didn't he, in the church here. He said, give me all the glory. That's why we give these testimonies, you know, and give the devil how much? None. Well, even if he's able to pull off something, don't even tell it. Give him no free advertising. Now, him being so full of pride, this really bothers him. And we say... Tough. Right? Oh yeah, man, he oh he wants to be noticed. He wants you to when he's able to pull something off in your life, he wants you to cry about it and tell everybody about it. And then tell it again. So he can make a big deal out of it and get them scared it's gonna happen to them too. But we despise it. 
It's just a million dollars. Just a bill. Right? There's been many bills before it and we'll be after it. Ah, it's just a disease. Ah, disease has been around a long time. Jesus has healed every kind of disease that there ever was. What are you? Little puny disease. Now we got to build our faith until we can do what 1 Corinthians 15 says. We can stand by the grave. And we can look death in the face, whether for ourselves or anybody else and say, Ha! It's just death. Oh, death! Where is your victory and your sting? Grave? Right? Well, see, if you can do that with death, you can sure do it with a disease. You can sure do it with a debt. You can sure do it with any other thing like that. Look it in the eye. Like they say out west, spit in the eye. Spit in the eye of the disease. Go, you're nothing. Nothing beside God. And he's the one taking care of me. So even though there is this trial in verse 7, trial of faith, the trial of your faith being much more precious than of gold that perishes, though it be tried with fire, might be found to praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. What's he talking about? Your faith. The trial of your faith. We talked about this already. People say, well, I tried that. And it didn't work. No, no, you got it backwards. It tried you. <laughs> and you quit. You failed. Your faith will be tried. What tries it? What tries your faith? Contradictory circumstances. Feelings. Experiences. Right? Other people's experience. All these things. Time. Elapsing. Conditions seeming to worsen. All these things try your faith. But if you won't quit, your faith will come out shining at the end. Somebody say the end of your faith. He said it will come out like gold. Tried with fire. Your faith will come out to the praise and honor and glory when? I just got revelation on this the last few days. Are you believing with me now? Help me, you know, to get it out here. Your faith and the passing of tests and trials with your faith is going to be rewarded. It's going to be shown at the appearing of the Lord. I hadn't seen this to the degree that I'm seeing it now. And some of it has to do with my father going home. I began to meditate on some things. And the Lord spoke some things to me that I didn't understand. And the last few days he's given me revelation on it. And I prayed about how much of it I should share with you. And I think I'm supposed to share some this morning. So you're believing with me, right? Man, this is important. This is big stuff. Will my faith and the faith that I lived with and your faith that you lived with in this life... Will it have any bearing when the Lord comes back and appears? Well, he said, you know, when the Son of Man returns, shall he find faith in the earth? See, some people that make fun of us about faith, it's sad that they're so ignorant. Because it's such a big thing to God. And when he comes back, what's he looking for? He's not looking for which denomination you are a part of. Right? What's he looking for? Faith. 
And there are people of faith in all different camps. You don't have to be called a faith camp to have faith. And there are people that's got faith stickers all over the car and refrigerator and have very little faith. (laughs) But he said the trial of your faith being proven and refined like gold, it is going to be found. Are you reading with me in verse 7 now? It's going to be found unto what? Praise and honor and glory when? At the appearing of Jesus Christ. Is he coming back? Are we going to see him? And when we see him, what's going to be important? That we lived and died, if it was before his coming, in faith. That we did not lose our faith, that we kept our faith, and that we passed the test and trials that tried our faith. And when he comes, our faith is going to shine. Oh, are you seeing this with me? Our faith is going to shine when he comes. Boy, this ought to make you interested in faith, shouldn't it? Notice, keep reading. It says, whom having not seen, you love. In whom though now you see him not. Yet believing, you rejoice. Say that phrase three times. Believing, you rejoice. Say it again. Believing, you rejoice. Say it again. Believing, you rejoice. So we've told you for years now, how would you know if you got in faith? You get to rejoicing. Why would you be rejoicing? Particularly if you're going through manifold temptations and you're experiencing heaviness. (laughs) Why in the world would you be rejoicing? Because you believe something beyond what you see. And beyond where you are. And you're not wondering if it's so. You're convinced. You're persuaded. It is so and it will be. And one translation of Romans 4, 17, talking about faith calls those things that be not as though they were. It said faith speaks with future events with as much certainty as if they were already passed. You speak concerning future events with as much certainty as if it had already happened. That's how God talks, isn't it? And when he says it, we believe it. And so we get ready for it and we count it done. And we say, if he says he's coming back, he's coming back. And if we're going to meet him and be with him together forever, and we're going to rule and reign with him forever in the kingdom of God, then you can take it to the bank. It is happening. And we can talk about it with as much certainty as if it had already taken place. I'm glad I came just for that this morning. How about you? Um, That will get you through. Now notice. Having not seen, does that sound familiar? Now we're talking about faith. Anybody remember Hebrews 11.1? 1, what does it say? Now faith is the substance of things hoped for and what? Evidence of things not seen. You haven't seen it. He said, though we have not seen him, talking about Jesus, we love him. How many can raise your hand and say, that's the same for me. I haven't seen him, but I love him. Come up the Lord. 
And in whom though you see him not, yet believing, you rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory, receiving what? The end of your faith. Even the salvation of your souls. Receiving the end of your faith. Said out loud, the end of my faith. Hallelujah. You know, uh, like I said, my dad went home to be with the Lord just a couple of weeks ago. And the Lord said something to me two days after he went home, and I didn't understand too much of it. But I began, you know, the Lord ministered to me through another channel, and I'll tell you about that in a minute. But then getting into the Word, some about this, I saw light. And it has to do with this. We think so much about living in faith, and we should. But we ought to think just as much about dying in faith. Did you hear me? We haven't, I haven't thought enough about dying in faith. But it is just as important, if not more important, right, than living in faith. Now, we sometimes we don't like to think about it, but the Lord tarries His coming any length of time, and you and I are going to die. Right? He could come beforehand, but He wouldn't have to tarry long. And me and you would live out our days. Well, how should we die? How about the end of our faith? How should we come to the end of this faith race? Well... Should we die a death and can we die a death that pleases God? Can we? Well, what would it have to be then? Everybody knows Hebrews eleven six. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. So we'd have to die in faith. <laughs> can you die in faith? It's the only way. I said, it's the only way you ought to die. Now we think about Jesus. Jesus lived in faith, didn't he? Walked and preached in faith, cast out demons in faith, ministered healing in faith, walked on the water in faith. But one of the most outstanding demonstrations of his faith is when he faced death. Right? When he went to the cross and when he died. Perhaps the greatest test of his faith was when he faced death. Did he die in faith? Oh, can you hear him hanging on the cross when he came to his last breath? What did he say? Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And he left. Now that's the way to die. Not the way some people do. You know, I, uh, being a pilot, I read uh, reports of accidents and stuff. I want to find out what they did wrong, so I don't do it. <laughs> Sometimes I'm telling Phyllis, she says, I don't want to hear about all those wrecks. And I said, I'm sorry, that's pilot stuff. But so many times you got the cockpit voice recorders. And I don't mean once or twice. It is so many times that the last words on these cockpit voice recorders are profanity. Yeah. 
screaming, and profanity. That is not the way to leave your body. Is it? That is not the way to go into eternity. Who should you be thinking about when you leave this life? (laughs) Who you should expect to see shortly thereafter. Is that right? So you should not die screaming profanities. You should not die full of fear. See, that's why they're cussing and screaming. It's because they're so full of fear. They're afraid to die. They're afraid of death. Aren't you glad Hebrews said that Jesus, he took part of flesh and blood so that he through death might destroy him that had the power of death and deliver them who through all their lifetime were subject to bondage because of the fear of death. Well, did he do it? Then have we been delivered? Do we have to be afraid of death? No. 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 We do not have to fear, but we can face death with faith. Faith. We can lean back and say, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit and let her go. Is that right? Now, let me give you some more scripture. How about that? You ready for some? The end of your faith. Now notice, turn with me if you would to uh, John 21, and I'm going to read some scriptures to you before we get there, but be going to John 21. I think I'll do it the other way. I'll read that first, then I'll give you the other scripture. John 21. John 21 Jesus has been raised from the dead. And because he has, we will be too. Right? He is our hope. He is the proof positive. It can and will be done. And we're going to have a body like unto his glorious body, the scripture said. Something to look forward to. No more wrinkles. No more excess weight. No more weakness. I think I told you this before, but uh, it'll bear repetition. The man who was Brother Oral Roberts' crusade director for many years. uh, This has been decades ago when this happened. He's with the Lord right now. But he died kind of unexpectedly. And he's in the hospital and no pulse. And they said, well, he's gone. His wife got there. And boy, she got a hold of him and started yelling at him and said, no, you don't. No, no, you're not leaving me. And she called and called. And they got him back after some length of time. Well, when he woke up, he was aggravated. He was. He was. He told her, he said, why did you do that? Why did you do that? Later on, he made a promise. He said, don't, if that happens again, don't do that. Don't, please. I know you want me to stay, but please, no. He said that he did die. I mean, it was clinical fact. And he said that when he got called back to his body, he said he was running. Now, he had been 
quite athletic in his youth, but he was a little bit older now, and he had had knee problems, and he had had some other problems, and he just, you know, he hadn't experienced that for quite a while. But he said he was on what seemed to be a country road, and by some kind of a beautiful fence, and the most beautiful meadows, and he said, man, I was running. He said, I was flying. He said, I was running like a cheetah, man. He said, I was running with no pain and such freedom and strength. You called me back. (laughs) You know, I don't think we realize what, you know, what we're going to be able to do with our glorified bodies. We are so going to enjoy our glorified bodies. Mm. We're going to be able to do some stuff. <laughs> Hallelujah. But uh, in John 21, are you there? Jesus has been raised from the dead and his body is glorified. And he is talking to them. And you remember that they're eating and, you know, a lot of people are excited about that, that you can eat. With your glorified body. Well, that was worth coming to church for a lot of people right there. They're like, you mean I get to eat? Yeah, yeah. Jesus ate. He ate after he was raised from the dead with his glorified body. Yeah, you hear that? Praise God. And uh, he's talking to Peter. And notice verse 18, John 21, 18. Jesus is talking to Peter. You remember he had told him repeatedly, if you love me, feed my sheep. And then he told him, he said, verily, verily. This is John 21, 18. I say to you, when you were young, you girded yourself or you dressed yourself and you walked where you would. But when you shall be old, you'll stretch forth your hands And another will gird you or dress you and carry you where you would not, where you don't want to go. And tradition has it, you know, that he was martyred and was, you know, apparently was taken at different times to where he wouldn't want to go. And he was older. And, of course, you know, bodies age and weaken. Verse 19, this spoke he signifying what? By what death he should glorify God. Read that out loud with me now. By what death he should glorify God. By what death he should glorify God. Can you glorify God in death as in life? Yes. How do you glorify God in this life? By living by faith, receiving by faith, acting by faith in love, how would you glorify God in death? Same way. Same way. Dying in faith and love. Now go with me to Philippians, please. He said he spoke that to them, signifying or specifying by what death he should glorify God. Said out loud, I will glorify God in my life. And should he tarry his coming, 
in my death, in my death I, will glorify God. I will glorify God. Amen. Let's not let that be the last time we say that. Philippians, the first chapter. Philippians 1 and verse 20. He said, according to my earnest hope and expectation, would he say that in nothing I'll be ashamed, but what? With all boldness as always, so now also Christ shall be magnified in my body. Whether it be by life or by death. Can the Lord be magnified in your body in death? Yes, yes. There are many ways to die. Just like there are many ways to live. People say, well, no, you quit breathing and that's it, you're dead. No, mm-mm. There are many different ways to die. The Bible said in, let me just read these to you. Listen, Numbers 23.10. Don't turn there, just listen. Numbers 23.10, he said, let me die the death of the righteous. And let my last end be like his. Let me die the death of the righteous. Proverbs 14.32, 14.32 says, the righteous has hope in his death. The Amplified says, the righteous has hope and confidence even in his death. The Bible said in Psalm 116.15, precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. Didn't just say the death of everybody, but the death of his saints is precious to him. Why would it be of value to him and pleasing to him? It'd have to be in faith. We know that. Right? It's precious to him. Now, death is not our friend. Don't you misunderstand me. Death is called the enemy of God. And it's the last enemy that will be put underfoot. But... We do not have to go screaming and scared and in weakness. We can face it with confidence and dignity and honor and faith. We can go out right. Can you say amen? Amen. Somebody say, I will. I will, I I shall. Ecclesiastes 7.1. Ecclesiastes 7.1 says, the day of death... Is better than the day of one's birth. You see we don't think like that most of the time do we? The day of one's death. Is a better day. Than the day of your birth. Well how many people really think like that? If the Bible says it. That's how we should think. That's when he said here. He said. Let me read the Amplified translation of this. Now, he said, I will not disgrace myself. And the Amplified says, or be put to shame in anything, but with the utmost freedom of speech and unfailing courage. Unfailing courage. Now, as always, 
Christ will be magnified and get glory and praise in this body of mine, whether life through life or through death. Unfailing courage. He said, to me to live is Christ and what? To die is gain. The living says, for to me, living is for Christ and dying is even better. <laughs> Said out loud, I'm not afraid of death. I have no fear of death. Let me share with you uh, for a few minutes what I had mentioned to you previously. I told you some of this, and I wouldn't have to tell you this. This is very personal, but uh, we're family. I know you're interested. I know you care about us. And this, what helps me, helps you too. My dad, uh, yesterday, it was two weeks ago, we were going to uh, Florida. I was going to speak in a church, and uh, then we were going to have a few days of vacation. He and mom and Phyllis was going to join us later in the week, and we had set it up, planned it for some time. Hadn't done something like this in years. So it was right on the way. I had to fly right over them to get there anyway, so I needed fuel. It just worked out perfect. Uh, so we talked about it, and they said, yeah, they wanted to do it. So we made arrangements, and we found a little bungalow thing. It was right on the sand, on the beach, and very nice. And we had it reserved for a whole week. And we were going to go down the Keys and look at some stuff, and they had never seen any of that. And uh, the thing is, Dad had always had a fear of flying. I guess it was the biggest fear that he had to deal with. And uh, about, what, six, seven years ago, he had a massive heart attack. And just by the great, a miracle, grace of God, that he overcame it. I told you about it. He was leaving his body. I thank God for those last years. Amen. It's like extra. <laughs> and uh, he had flown with me twice before. And the last time we made it okay. He told me on the ground, he said, I still don't like it. <laughs> but as uh, <laughs> you know they're getting older and as we're busy and they wanted to be in meetings with us sometime and I wanted to see them sometime and he knew that if he could fly he could be in more stuff and so we had talked about it and he said I want to do it I'm going to do it and he knew about fear and he knew the word on it well, we got there that morning, and he and Mom met me at the door of the plane, and, you know, we prayed about it. And I said, no, Dad, we don't have to do this. He said, no, I want to. I said, okay. So we seem to be doing okay. We're into the flight about two hours or so, and he's sitting in the back, and he'd just come up to the cockpit two or three times and talking to me, and. We're looking at the coastline and talking about how fast we're going and when we'll be there and all that kind of stuff. And uh, he seemed to be doing pretty good. I mean, no indication of any pain or problems or anything. And uh, mom, you know, about five minutes before he'd been up in the cockpit with me and mom tugged me and said, something's wrong with your dad. And I looked back and he slumped over. Well, I realize now he was already gone. Well, I did an emergency descent 
into the nearest airport I could. I got, you know, medical people on the horn. They met me at the door. And But uh, when they met me, by the time I got stopped rolling, I had the door open and, and they had him. The ambulance was right there. But they said, there's no pulse. There's nothing. Well, they took him and they worked on his body for 30 minutes at one of the best heart places around that area. But they said, there's nothing. There was, you know, he was gone basically before you got here. Well, as you might imagine, the enemy tried to mess with me on that. Right? You know, we didn't have to do that. We didn't have to push that. And uh, the first day or so was challenging. The Spirit of God spoke to me on the second day. Thank God for the Holy Ghost. And this is what he said to me. I thought it was interesting how the Lord's, I don't mean I heard an audible voice now, but I know the word of the Lord. Inside me, he said, uh, he said, Keith, it is important to your dad that you see this right. That you think right about this. Well, I knew that was true. But I thought, you know, I'm trying to think, well, did we miss it by doing this? Because I wouldn't stand up in front of you and try to tell you something different. If we missed it, I'd tell you. We missed it. People can miss it. But that was one of the things that was bugging me. I was thinking, Lord, I checked my heart. And I know on something as important as this, you'd have checked me. And I didn't have a check. And so I'm looking at, you know, and the enemy's trying to bug me with it. But the Lord said to me, he said, you're not seeing this right. I said, well, help me, please. (laughs) He said, your dad died in faith. I thought, well, he had to us. I know that for a fact. We talked about it. He stood up three days before he went home to be with the Lord, three days before we took the plane ride. He stood up in church and testified. They had a testimony time at the end, and the pastor asked if somebody have something, and he said he did. And he stood up, and he talked about how he had been challenged with thoughts and fears about this. But how he had overcome them through praying about every specific thing. I only listened to this last night. And this is the last words he said. I wrote them down verbatim. He said, the word doesn't change because of how we feel. The word is the same. The word is the truth. And I will declare it with the last breath I have. I will. That's what he said. That's what he said. And I was thinking, well, Lord, he wasn't that old. I would have liked to have had, you know, more years with him. And the Lord said to me, he said, you're not seeing this the way I see it. He said, your dad had told you. He'd been through a lot of rough stuff with the heart thing. He had to fight every day to get back to some amount of normalcy. He told me he didn't want to do that again. And when he went, he wanted to go. He told mom that. He told me that. And he said, uh, your dad died. Now, this is a, I don't know. If you watch Westerns, you know what this means. 
with his boots on. Anybody know what that means? He died with his boots on. He died being strong in front of me and in front of God. He died facing his greatest fear. And he overcame it. And he died in faith. And he was already headed up. (laughs) So, (laughs) he just kept going. He said, you're not looking at this right. He said, this is to be respected. This is to be honored. This is how you die. You die in faith. You die in faith. You don't die running. You don't die scared. You don't die hiding and cowering. You die facing and believing and overcoming. That's how you want to go out of here. That's how you want to meet the Lord. That that was the last thing you were doing and the last thing you were saying. I thought those words were excellent. He said, with my last breath, I'll say it. The word is true. And I suppose he did. Well, then uh, Sister Billy Brim called me last night from Israel and said the Lord had put something on her heart. We talked for a while and then something came up that... uh, she hadn't thought about, and I hadn't thought about. She told a story that somebody had told her about a loved one going and said that Revelation came to them afterwards and said the way they went would result in a better resurrection. Now, when she said that, I immediately remembered Scripture in Hebrews 11, and I thought, hmm? And we just got through reading in First Peter about our faith is going to shine at the appearing of the Lord. So now go to Hebrews, the great faith chapter, and look at this because this is for you. This is for me. If the Lord tears his coming, we need to think about this. And we need to go out the right way because it affects our resurrection. It affects when we see Jesus at his appearing. Glory be to God. Hebrews 11. The Bible said in Hebrews 11, 13. Hebrews 11 and 13. What does it say? These all died in faith. Not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off and were persuaded of them and embraced them and confessed. But see, they didn't see it all before they died, but they died believing it was true. They died in faith. Don't you like that? Now skip down to verse 35. Well, let me back up to verse 32 because he gets on a roll here. And gets to preaching. He had taken individuals one at a time. And he gets down to verse 32. And he says. And what shall I more say? For the time would fail me. To tell you about Gideon. And Barak. And Samson. Jephthah. David. And Samuel. And the prophets. 
Through faith, they subdued kingdoms. They wrought righteousness. They obtained promises. They stopped the mouths of lions. They quenched the violence of fire. They escaped the edge of the sword. Out of weakness, they were made strong. They waxed valiant in flight, turned to flight the armies of the aliens. Women received their dead, raised to life. And others were tortured, not accepting deliverance that they might obtain a better resurrection. Now see, specifically, these guys were tortured. They lost years of their life down here. Didn't they? And if they had recanted, they could have got their years. They possibly could have had these extra years of life down here. But they considered something else worth more than half your earth life. I mean, you know, I believe in long life. Don't misunderstand me. I believe in healing just as strong as I ever have and prosperity and long life. But there's something more important than getting your money or getting your healing or even extra years of life down here. It's how you go out of here and it's what's coming next. Oh, glory be to God. And so... He said they didn't accept their deliverance and keeping some of this natural life so that they could obtain a better resurrection. Now that phrase is full of revelation. You mean there's different degrees? <laughs> there's different things? Better? You would think any kind of resurrection would be good. But there is such a thing as a better one. And it has to do with how you lived and how you died. How you went out of here. Oh, my Lord. Glory be to God. Does this stir you at all? Does this do anything for you? Yeah, we're going to live by faith. But we're going to do something else. We're going to go out of this life with our spiritual boots on. We're going to go out of this life looking things in the eye. We're going to go out of this life believing God with every fiber of our being, speaking His Word with our last breath. And through this, we will obtain a better resurrection and our faith is going to shine at the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ. Can you say amen? Stand up and lift up your hands and give glory to God. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.